Good morning. My name is Eric Dooley, and this is my story. I started attending Lakeland about 18 months ago. I walked in not really knowing what to expect or what I would find. I must have looked really lost. I was greeted rather quickly by Jason Leahy. He took the time to make me feel at home and to get me headed in the right direction. From there, I ran into Scott Patton, a former coworker and friend that I've known for almost 30 years. A few months later, Scott welcomed me into a small group with Ken, Jeff, and Terry. This group was perfect for me because I needed guidance and support. But most of all, I had a place and a group of guys that I could count on for anything. We studied a book together called Fearless, mostly staying on topic and even finishing our group readings and discussion this last week. This took us into many conversations, sharing about where we are with our lives, God, family, and personal struggles, good and bad. For me, this small group was exactly where I needed to be, and these four men were exactly who I needed to be with. Each of them brought me great comfort and support in many different ways over the last year. They have allowed me to share when I didn't have anywhere else to go or anyone else to share with. They provided me with much needed perspective on my challenges and my new journey with God. When the men's retreat was scheduled, at first I didn't know what to think. I was a little hesitant about attending, being that I had never attended anything like this, and I, didn't, and I had a fear of the unknown. With much discussion with the small group and also in the Saturday morning men's group, I knew that I needed to go and see what it was all about. The topics for the guest speakers, the free time to do whatever you were drawn to do, and all the good things I was hearing about with previous retreats allowed me to overcome my concerns and truly open myself up to attending. For me, the weekend was just what I needed. I met some new friends, got to know some friends a little better, and reinforced why this community is where I need to be. Every speaker brought a different message and style of delivery. But what was clear to me with all of them was their passion to help one another and their love and faith of God. Saturday morning, a walk was what I was drawn to. So I turned on my Pandora radio to classical guitar and started off down the road. I found myself drawn to the peace and beauty of the surroundings, stopping to take pictures along the way, flowers and trees blooming, the stonework of the chapel, and the moss on the old shingle roof. All of this allowing me to clear my thoughts and to, and to being in a sense of peace to, uh, and all the noise and voices in my head were clear. I only heard one voice, one of peace and calmness, one saying everything will be all right. And for a bonus for me at the retreat, from what I heard or what I should say I didn't hear, was that I went to bed early and to help lead the chorus of loud sleepers during the night. I was one of the lucky ones that slept well and didn't have to listen to the nightly sounds of men trying to outdo each other in their snoring. I have only had one long-term friend, and this last year I learned I lost her many years ago. The end of a relationship 
with my best friend, who was also my wife, was earth-shattering. But through the love of God, he has brought me to a place where I need to be, with great people, people who I feel will probably always be here for me and in turn allow me to be here for them. You give me time at my own pace to grow, trust, and to be trusted without judgment and with love. My name is Eric Dooley, and this is my story. Good morning. I'm really glad they used the word friend in that scene so I had an excuse to show that movie in church. (laughs) We're talking about the wisdom of Proverbs this morning, a book in the Old Testament. We're talking about choosing friends wisely. Uh, In a previous life, when I used to go to the gym every night, you, you see people there who also go to the gym every night. There was this one particular group of guys. They were very annoying. They're the ones who camp out on a piece of equipment all night, but then don't really use it. So there's your judgment moment. Anyway, so there they were. And this one guy, the one guy I always paid the most attention to, they all talked very loud, so everybody knew their business. And this one guy, he would always, he was having trouble with his wife. And he would always say something like, yeah, you know, I had a hard time with the wife last night, or we had an argument. And he would get just that far in, and all his friends would go, Psh, man, you got to cut that loose. you got to let it go. Calling his wife that and it. And he would never let him finish his sentence. I learned later through, you know, listening to them uh, that his wife had cancer. She was being treated for cancer. And all his friends, they were all single. He's the only married one. All they could do is try to bring him back over to their side and have him leave his sick wife. And on top of all of it, they were really bad at working out. (laughs) I mean, they really weren't even offering him that. They were worthless for all purposes. And and I, I just couldn't imagine why he would show up every night for this vulgar, crude, unhelpful group of guys. He, he had just fallen in with a bad crowd. Proverbs 14, 7 says, stay away from fools for you won't find knowledge on their lips. The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. Guys can fall in with all kinds of bad crowds and unofficial clubs. There's the let's be obsessed with our lawn club. I'm not talking about being good at outdoor, liking it, and having nice grass. I'm talking about the neighbor I used to know who was so angry with his, and competitive with his friends about that his bagging mower wouldn't pick up enough clippings. But he went out and spent four hours every Saturday morning with a shop vac vacuuming his front lawn. What a waste of a life. There's the My Truck is Bigger Than Your Truck Club. My house is bigger than your house club. My boat's bigger than your boat, leading to nothing but needless expense and debt. There's the let's stand around in the driveway and drink beer till all we can do is pass out at our home club. Wives must really appreciate that one. Or the let's just put a TV in the garage and stay down here and avoid everybody club. 
It's not just guys who can fall in with a bad crowd. Women now can fall in with bad crowds and groups of friends. Women now have a phenomenon called frenemies. Have you heard this one? Your friend that's your enemy. Frenemy. A frenemy is a rival who puts you down, competes with you, makes you feel bad. But that's all you'll ever hang out with. Somebody who makes you feel bad. According to Business Week, the amount of time we spend at work is to blame for the frenemy phenomenon. Business Week writer writes, while it certainly wasn't unheard of for people to socialize with colleagues in the past, the sheer amount of time people spend at work has now left a lot of people with less time and inclination to develop friendships outside the office. We no longer have any time to develop any good friends, so we just hang out with the people that hang out where we are most of the time at work, even if those people are just spending most of their time competing with us, stabbing us in the back and putting us down. Frenemies. I find it's not just women who work outside the home now who develop great frenemies. Um, women working inside the home are now doing this. I see a lot of women who only hang out because their kids are the same age and will play together. Even if hanging out with that other gal, she does nothing but make you feel horrible by playing games like, my kid's smarter than your kid. My house is safer than your house. And I'm twice as exhausted and whiny about being a mom as you are. <laughs> Frenemies. We simply lack the time to develop any real friends. Friends are a powerful force given to us by God, but poorly handled. They can do us tremendous harm. Find stressed out, fearful people to hang out with, become stressed out and fearful. Find ungrateful, bitter people to hang out with, become ungrateful and bitter. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four says, Don't befriend an angry person or associate with a hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Broken people, out of shape people, people given to fads, snobby people, hang out with these people as your friends. Become like them. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise, become wise. Associate with fools, get into trouble. And the saddest part of this is, this is the suburbs. And we're supposed to be good at this sort of thing. If there's anything we really do really well in the suburbs is we find the resources we need. What we need, we can find it and get it done. We can find the right doctor. We can find the right preschool. We can find the right lawyer. We can find the best pediatrician. We can find the best child sports coach or music tutor if that's what we need. But we put almost no thought at all into finding the right friends. If we bother to have friends at all, and that's another problem. Many of us, especially men, we just isolate ourselves. Now, I am not Mr. Extrovert, so you're not going to find me knocking being by yourself. I like being alone. I like that it's quiet. I like that there's no friction. I like that there's no obligation. And since I'm a huge cheapskate, I like that it is absolutely free to be alone. <laughs> so I'm with you, all you guys who like to be alone. And I have also gone out on a limb and make friends because it's a Christian thing to do and then been lied to, blamed for their problems and pulled into all sorts of drama that I didn't want to be a part of. So there you have it. But 
I'm here to tell you, I have also intentionally distanced myself from people and friends, and it kills your soul so fast. You can't even believe how fast you start to wither up when you isolate yourself, and you can't believe how long it can take you to notice that you're dead. I had a friend, Christian friend, and he had found a way to steal his neighbor's internet. He had found a way to use his neighbor's uh, wireless to construct this device where he could steal movies, comic books, music, and something else on six different computers. It would steal it in six pieces and then assemble it on his machine, and they could never track it to anybody but his neighbors who would all appear to have stolen a sixth of something. Anyway, so he's telling me about this, Christian guy. I said, isn't that illegal? And if it's not, isn't it at least very rude to steal all your neighbor's bandwidth like that? And he goes, isn't it their responsibility not to make it so easy for me? To? And he, he stopped her just like that. This is a guy who isolates himself. And I could tell somewhere in his aloneness, a smart guy, but when you're alone, you have one mind to think with. And if that mind makes a mistake, you can run with that mistake quite some distance. Somewhere, his one mind had decided it was his neighbor's responsibility to protect themselves. And, and they made it so easy, leaving this back door open for him. He never realized that that was crazy thinking until he said it out loud to me. And I could tell I was the first person he'd ever said it out loud to. And he couldn't even finish the sentence before he realized he was really wrong. Alone, you can do crazy stuff. There was a time not so long ago I was distancing myself from friends and from others. And my wife and I were fighting a lot. You will find these two go hand in hand. So I had figured out in my mind what the problem was. My wife's crazy. <laughs> She's off her nut. She's got a pile of character flaws this big, and I can name them all because I'm a pastor and I know these things. And so I'd also figured out for the sake of the kids how I was going to manage her insanity. And I had this all worked out in my mind. Then I had to go on a Tuesday morning to a, a breakfast I have with other Christian men. And as soon as I hit the seat, the one across the chair from me goes, what's wrong with you? You don't look right. And I'm starting to open my mouth and it, already it's coming unraveled. I realize everything I've been thinking is crazy. She's not, not crazy. She doesn't have piles of character flaws. This can't all be her and I'm Mr. Pure and Virtuous. I just needed one other guy not to even hear me say it, just almost hear me say it. And I could realize I got a wrong thinking in my head that I ran too many days. Just the presence of a friend can keep you sane. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It's wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. We can't be isolated. We wither up and we do crazy stuff. Not every friendship works out. True story. But it is ridiculous to think of the idea of bagging the idea of friendship altogether. We're not built for that. Friends are a powerful force, guys, given to us by God. 
and chosen wisely, they can do us great good. So let's talk about how friendship begins. I can only talk for guys. I don't know how friendship begins for women. I am not one. So, guys, if it's true for girls, great, extra credit. Um, guys, we have, all of us, a private world, a thing or a, a handful of things that fascinate us. And they might be so obscure, we think we're the only person who ever thinks about it or is interested in it or is that passionate about it until we meet someone else. Someone else who plays racquetball the way we play racquetball. Someone else who still watches Star Trek. Someone else who cooks with that intensity. Someone else who has noticed a particular trend in sports or fashion or politics or art or nature or religion. Someone else who reads the same books that we have read. Someone else who could talk about that for hours and hours long after everyone else has rolled their eyes and walked away. We have found a friend. For those of you who don't have friends, it may be that you aren't into anything or you have hidden it too well. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote, in, if I say anything today that sounds insightful, I, I got it from this book. C.S. Lewis, The Four Loves. Not my favorite Lewis book, but his third chapter on friendship is brilliant. And he talks about those who cannot have friends and why. He writes, that's why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having a friend is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question is, do you see the same truth that I see? You know, get it? The same energy, the same passion that I see about this thing? Where the true answer to that is, I see nothing. I don't care about the truth. I just want a friend. No friendship can ever arise. There's nothing for the friendship to be about. The friendship must be about something. Even if it were only an enthusiasm for playing dominoes or raising white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. One of the problems with friendship may be that we have hidden too much of our private world. You need to let your private world show. You think your private world's too weird? It's not. I have a friend, and the, one of the friendliest things we do is once a year we drive across a section of the country and we take pictures of snakes, lizards, and frogs. True. It takes us four days to get that out of our system. And when we're not doing that, we talk about sword and sorcery fantasy stories. And if we're not talking about that, we talk about martial arts. See what's going on there? Nerd, nerd, nerd. <laughs> nerd cubed. But that's the world we share, and that's why we're friends. And, you know, you're not invited on my trip. So <laughs> he has other friends with whom he shares baseball. He knows more about baseball, particularly the comings and goings of the Royals, than anybody ought to know. And that's a private world he shares with other people who have it. There's another group of friends he has that he shares with video games. The place where you're going to find your friend is probably the exact place you're a little embarrassed that you have invested so much fascination and energy. 
Another problem with friendship, especially for guys and especially in the church, is that in the church, with our language, we tend to move it to a place where it sounds more like lovers than friends, and frankly, it's creepy. In church, we throw out these great phrases like friends for the journey and someone who's there when you need them. And my favorite, intimate friends. <laughs> they know our secrets. They know our pain. They're our strength when we were weak. They were our voice when we couldn't speak. They were our eyes when we couldn't see. You saw the best there was in me. And you were the wind beneath my wings. And it's creepy and it's all too much. <laughs> but I thought Proverbs said, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. In Proverbs 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Yes, yes, of course that's all true. But those are things that good friends do. That's not the first thing that friends are. I see Zach here. We've talked a couple of times. So Zach, given my family history, when I'm old, I'm probably going to have dementia or cancer. I need someone who will come and sit by my bedside and comfort me. So you want to go out and get that started? When you're sick, I'll comfort you. You don't lead off like that. That's weird. Those are things that good friends do, but you don't start that way. He was very nice to nod. I'm sure he was like, get me out of here. You develop that over time. We have to find something else to be friends about, something else to chase together, and then that other, that other stuff comes along the way. And we aren't boyfriends, for heaven's sake, in sickness and in health, chasing each other. We're friends who chase something else that gives us both life in a way that no one else quite understands. If you want to make friends, you have to take initiative. We're going to put up the steps to making a friend, and we're going to have to recite them all together a couple times this morning because you really, really need these. If you want to make a friend, you must, say them with me, guys, introduce yourself, shake hands, begin conversations, invite people. Now, a handful of you just said, well, I'm too shy for that. I, I expect other people to be nice and invite me. You're not shy. No, you're not. Real shy people, and there are real shy people, they hang off to the side and they don't want to introduce themselves, but they also don't want you to introduce yourself. Real shy people are equally mortified whether they have to do it. or Now, they need friends and they, they do want friends, but they are really shy If you're standing off to the side blaming other people for not taking a chance on you, you're not shy. You're something else. And it's not healthy. You say you're too shy to take a risk, right, that someone will reject you. But you expect them to take a risk and invite you so that you might have the honor of rejecting them and you judge them for being stuck up or clicky or any other number of words if they don't. It's not right for you to expect someone else to take all the risks. It's not right that they should have to take the risk that you're not willing to take. If you want a friend, you're going to have to take initiative. 
Now, if that's not making sense, let's just compare it to anything else you want in life. Do you want an education? Well, definitely just hang out outside a college campus and wait for the dean of students to say, hey, I saw you stand over here. Do you want a scholarship? <laughs> you want a job? We'll just definitely go to the lobby of the corporate office and see if the vice president might wander by and go, hey, what's your name? You want to come in for an interview? No. No, this is not going to happen. If you want a friend, you can't linger at the back of the room and wait for someone else to come appreciate how great you are. Do you want a godly friend? You want a fr if, if you are a Christian, I don't want to make any assumptions about anyone, but if you are a Christian, you want someone who shares your faith, you've got to hang out where the godly people hang out. Respite care ministry, they just had the last one last night. They're going to have another one starts up again in the fall. It is full of godly people. And I have sat there and watched people talk and become friends as they discovered things in their private world they had in common. Men's breakfast, first and third Saturday mornings, full of godly men there. Guy movie night, tomorrow night, watching Robert Redford's All is Lost, which, by the way, was my recommendation for the movie night. It's a great one. You're going to meet not just Christian guys there if you go, but... Guys who evidently like movies. Do you like movies? There you go. Women's ministry, full of godly people. Go out to the women's ministry table, find out what the next gathering is. Morning prayers meets here on Wednesday morning. A group of people who are probably friends because they're really into exploring a particular type and rhythm of prayer. Small groups, full of godly people. In just a few minutes, this lobby is going to be full of godly people. And if you are flying out of here every week because you've got someplace else to be, you are blasting past the very people you're looking for. Well, I stood out in the lobby a couple times and no one came over and said hi to me. Oh, no, that's not how we're doing it. But put it back up. <laughs> Say it with me. Introduce yourself. Shake hands. Begin conversation. Stop right there. Begin conversation is going to be a great one for you to linger at for a while. In fact, don't invite people first thing in the lobby Quite frankly, when someone I just met invites me over for dinner, my assumption is they're going to sell me on some multi-level sales thing. So uh, start with begin conversations. So, you know, we'll be talking and I'll say, you know, I was getting ready to go up to northern Missouri next week to see if I could find an endangered rattlesnake. And if you say, oh, I used to do that when I was a kid. I used to find copperheads and hognose. And I'll say, ooh, not many people know what a hognose is. Oh, that's my favorite snake. Okay, see now? <laughs> Private worlds may begin. If I say... I'm going to go look for an endangered rattlesnake, and you go, ew. <laughs> we might become friends about something else, but clearly not that. So next week, I might begin a new conversation. New Star Wars comes out next year. Do you think J.J. Abrams can pull it out? And if you say, who's J.J. Abrams? <laughs> Strike two. <laughs> I'm not saying we can't be friends about something, but we're just, you know, not doing well so far. On the other hand, I might say I'm preaching on the book of Ezra. This is a great thing about coming to church. There's a little bit of built-in, because you showed up here, so there's something about this you're interested in. I say I'm preaching the book of Ezra next month. You might say, I read Ezra once. I got it. I didn't get it. I don't care. I was interested. Oh, I want to read Ezra. Or, you know, we have something in common. You begin conversations. And when you come to that point where standing out there in the lobby is not enough time to complete the great conversation you started, you'll say, hey, why don't you come over. What's the last one? Invite people. And off you go. 
Be part of the church is one of the best things I could say for having friends. C.S. Lewis uh, in, in the book says that friendship probably started in caveman times when all the cavemen brought down a woolly mammoth and then they had to stand around and talk about it. So one said, you know why the herd ran off when you came up and not when I came up? Because I always make sure the wind is in my face. Oh, that makes sense. And look, when I, I, look how I hold the stick. I hold it like this and then right between the ribs. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Now I noticed you got something on the tip of that stick there. Yeah, it's a stone arrowhead. I've started doing that. That's amazing. That could be the beginning of a whole new age. I know. <laughs> you know what caveman talk is around the church? I volunteer in kid zone, and that little Sammy kid will not be quiet. You know, I just say this to him, and he settles right down. Oh, I'll try that. Caveman talk around the church. Remember the day we had Christmas Eve service here, and the building was all torn apart, and there wasn't even heat, and one of the candelabras caught on fire, and we had to stand up in the middle of Christmas Eve service and put out the church? Oh, yeah, I remember that day. Caveman talk. Caveman talk in the church. We have a men's breakfast, and we... Uh, we give the guy a hard time who orders the breakfast for us if he doesn't give us enough bacon. And then when he doubles the bacon, we give him a hard time for trying to kill us with all that cholesterol. We just make sure he can never win. See, it's great. Caveman talk in the church. Caveman talk in the church is about how, oh, I remember when we shoveled and we were de-icing that sidewalk on Sunday morning as fast as the snow was coming down and then for all that work, only 40 people showed up. And it was one of the best church services we ever had being at the coffee bar and discussing your favorite coffee flavors and are we going to do muffins or donuts for hospitality this summer? Caveman talk. Caveman talk around the church, around giving money. Are you sick of it? Or are you ready to give some more? Arr, 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 arr. Let's talk. Prayer. How do we do it better? How, how can we bring some freshness? I want to have more feeling. I want to have more discipline. What do you do? I was just with a group of church cavemen this last week and we all sat around and talked about how to tell our children about sex. Other cavemen and cavewomen of the church talk about how to love our wives, how to honor our husbands, the way the scriptures say. Growing close to God and sharing the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ is an adventure that we are all on together. And we do this adventure side by side Right? We're about something else and we're going somewhere and we're going together and we're inviting people to do it with us and somewhere along the way, almost by accident, we become friends. C.S. Lewis says you never will discover the teacher inside another person, the warrior, the poet, the philosopher, or even the Christian by sitting there staring into their eyes. It comes out a little by little as you're side by side with them, fighting together, reading together, arguing together, praying together. There you find it all. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so friends sharpen friends. Let me tell you about my friend. I used to be a real grump about the holidays. I hated the obligation and the travel and buying stuff for people I only see once a year, blah, 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 and made sure that Everyone knew about it in my house. And one day my friend looked me in the face. He said, why don't you get over it? He said, Christmas is not about you. Why don't you try to find something to enjoy? Fixate on that. You might actually enjoy it. So I did. Changed our family tree. I'm so Christmassy now. My wife wants to put me out of the house. 
One time I was going to get an expensive gift. Someone was going to give me a car, a nice car. And I was telling my friend, I don't think I can take that. I'm not worth that. That's too much. I'm thinking about declining. He said, are you kidding? He said, just take care of it. Fix it, repair it, keep it clean. Become worthy of it that way. We were agonizing over, I was agonizing over whether or not to have children. I didn't see any empirical benefits to it. However, we seem biologically driven. Sitting in a parking lot, eating a hamburger. My friend said, kids, it's an expensive ride, but worth the cost of a mission. One time I hurt somebody playing sports. I, t- I tried to apologize. He jumped up, bit my face off. I told my friend the story. He said, well, dummy, when you hurt someone in sports, you're not supposed to apologize all over them. That shames them. You're supposed to say, you okay? All right, let's go again. Good words. On being late, my friend uh, took me out to lunch one time just to tell me, you show up late to a lot of stuff and you devalue people when you do that. It's not just the things my friends has said to me over the years that shape me as a man. It's when we're side by side doing the, the crazy stuff that we both love. Out of the corner of my eye, it's the life I see. Out of the corner of my eye, my friend has taught me, be proud of your children and brag on them and compliment your wife in public. And my wife is the best cook ever. And yesterday, she surprised the whole family and took us all to see Godzilla. When your wife takes you to see Godzilla, that's a good woman. (laughs) Out of the corner of my eye, my friend taught me, take your kids outdoors. Go for long walks. On Halloween, you dress up too. And always remember to bring the flashlight. Buy the good power tool. It's worth the extra expense in the long run. In your house, be the one who sings the songs and reads the stories. And when the wheels are coming off your life, show up at your buddy's office and cry your eyes out. And when your buddy shows up at your office and the wheels are falling off his life, be the ears of Jesus. Friends are a powerful force given to us by God, but chosen wisely, they can do us great good. Let us pray. Father, may we take this great gift you have given us and be sharpened. Father, give us the strength and the courage to introduce ourselves, shake hands, start a conversation, give us the wisdom to know this isn't going to work all the time. There's only a few people you have made that much like me. With the help of your spirit, we can find one another. We thank you for friends and for wisdom. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Let us stand together for the benediction. For those of you who are wanting to be baptized, the meeting will start in about 15 minutes in the back. Uh, If your children be baptized, bring them and you come with them. Uh, Confirmation kids, back there too. If you're wanting to rededicate your life to Christ and celebrate it in some way, you were baptized a long time ago, but you're coming back to faith in a big way, also come to that meeting. We celebrate that too. Start in about 15 minutes, okay? May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. 
May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.